Hey, welcome to Journey to Truth Podcast. My name is Tyler Koala with Aaron Kuhn, and tonight we have on Simon Esler. He is a full disclosure activist and a metaphysical minister. I first heard about Simon, I guess, last year, uh, Dimensions of Disclosure, when he was speaking, or when you were speaking about Q, I believe, with Jordan Sather. Yeah. Um, and, you know, from there, everything snowballed, and I started meeting everybody in the community. Um, I met Aaron that same weekend. Um, I guess uh, just you want to jump in and uh, tell the people who may not know who you are just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll just kick off from there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so uh, in terms of my full disclosure activism, I sort of arrived in that scene um, through full disclosure now. I started collaborating them very early on in that movement and was like an early creator and collaborator. So that really brought me into that space. Uh, I live and work in Toronto, Ontario, up in Canada, and I am ordained here as a metaphysical minister, which basically uh, means I'm recognized by the government of Ontario as a, as a minister with the, the legal status that comes with that. Uh, so I offer people in the community uh, custom ceremonies, uh, wedding ceremonies, uh, any other kind of ceremony they want. Uh, I teach mindfulness and meditation, and I'm also an actor. I perform uh, two to three times every week on stage, and uh, I have two beautiful children and an amazing life partner, and I'm ready for full disclosure now. Uh, that's amazing that you have time for full disclosure with that schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's um, impressive. That's, uh, yeah, um, one of the things that you frequently post about, which I've been really dying to talk about on this podcast and we haven't got a chance to do, is the uh, Secret Space Program. Yeah. Uh, I personally am fascinated with it. I guess if there's any area of this disclosure that I would, I would say I specialize in, that would be it. Um, and I just, I'm just would love to hear what you have to say uh, as far as where you think this disclosure is going, as far as that aspect and, you know, how the Space Force ties in and all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, I often try to take a perspective that is rooted in the collective consciousness. That's, um, it's uh, a vantage point that I connect to very strongly. Um, so I really feel like there's an equivalency here in terms of uh, the microcosmic and the macrocosmic. So if you look at like, one person on this planet who suddenly is waking up to traumatic memories from their childhood, right? The deepest, darkest things from their early life are starting to come to the surface. And that's sort of what I see the secret space program as. This is one of humanity's deepest, darkest, most traumatic things that's uh, very deeply buried. And uh, it, it needs help coming out. Um, for it to arise in the public consciousness, uh, there needs to be a certain level of wellness on earth so that uh, it can be processed properly. Now that doesn't mean that everyone has to be uh, sort of at a very high state of consciousness for it to happen, uh, but I think a certain percentage of the population needs to be able to hold a vibration so that this kind of information can come out more fully. Uh, in terms of the way this is all playing out, like with the Space Force and, uh, and Antarctica, um, 
you know, I think in following Q from the beginning, it's very clear that uh, there's some encouragement for the Q community to look towards secret space programs. Otherwise, Q would not have even gone near it. Right? So I think there's gentle encouragement from the Q team to move people in that direction, but they're being very careful about it because they're is more disinformation around uh, sort of space, extraterrestrials, revolutionary technology than there is in any other sphere, I would say. And interestingly, I was listening to, oh, what was it? Yes, it was David uh, Robert Steele. I was watching, um, I was watching him speak and he was saying that to his knowledge as a CIA agent, there is more mind control in NASA than anywhere else that there's more disinformation coming out of space-based projects than anywhere else I interestingly wow. i saw an interview with him about a month ago and he was saying how he didn't really want to go near the secret space program subject anymore because he really wanted to focus on other things now it's clear that his focus is really big on the human trafficking and pedophilia right now so i'm wondering if maybe he wanted to create space from SSPs so that he could bring more credibility to the human trafficking and the pedophilia aspect. But it was very telling to me that an ex CIA agent was alluding to the fact that there's more disinformation and mind control in sort of NASA and the whole space area than in any other place. That's pretty telling. Yeah. And if he, uh, if he, um, if he gains that credibility in the, the human trafficking and the pedophilia, um, that might help him, that might, you know, help him when he comes forward about secret space program or when he tries to uh, shine a light on that, you know, he's built his credibility over here. So maybe that's another angle to look at it. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, yeah, it's important because the, the secret space program would not exist without abuse of children. It has thrived on that. The MyLab programs are essential to the functionality of secret space programs. Even some of the more like white hat-ish areas. I mean, it's all really, really corrupt, but they've all sort of thrived on manipulating and abusing children. Uh, there really was no other way for them to acquire the assets they needed. So I think you're right. Tactically speaking, it's quite sound for him to be focusing on that aspect because when we do need to divulge the history and just the reasonable account of how a program like this could have been developed, it will be necessary to fully understand the human trafficking and um, the trauma-based mind control aspect of it. There's no other way to understand how it's possible, right? You have to bury memories in people. You have to hide knowledge in people. It is the best and most effective place for them to do this. So at some point in the process, they realized that hiding information in the world was not the best way. Hiding it in people was the best way. And it's been very effective. Yeah, that's, that's actually very interesting. Um, I haven't, I, I don't know if I've actually thought about it that way, but it is because that's the best way to not leave any evidence behind as well, you know, is hide it in the people. And whether somebody yep. wants to believe that person or not, it's up to them. Uh, but, yeah. you know, the people on the right path, that information will resonate or trigger a memory with them, you know. Yeah, that's a very important concept right there, actually. That's super important that um, 
It's not really up to us when someone is receptive to this information. We keep putting it out there and you keep, you know, uh, planting seeds, but it, it's not up to us if someone is or is not ready to receive this information. So I really do promote like non-attachment in terms of full disclosure activism that, um, this feeling that you need to wake other people up, uh, to me it's a big distraction and it, it siphons energy from our community uh, in, a, in a big way. And I think if we um, were more detached from uh, this process of supporting the awakening, if we weren't as fixated on specific results, um, I think we, we could really come together as a community more effectively. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that totally. I, I saw, on Facebook just not that long ago, you, you put a poll up, a vote for uh, two topics you want to speak about that dimensions of disclosure this year. Um, what were those again? How did you have those worded? Yeah, so one was um, learning from Luciferians, uh, developing the antithesis to Luciferian consciousness. And then uh, the other one, what was my other one? I have to remember it now. Metaphysical, metaphysical oh, yes. activism. That's right. There's a uh, metaphysical activism and being a full disclosure activist. Essentially what I'm talking about here is that our activism in full disclosure, it, it needs to be rooted in certain metaphysical arrangements within ourselves. That the act of putting the information out there is not enough. Um, when you are putting information out there, let's say literally when you're in the process of composing like a Facebook post, the consciousness that you're in as you're composing that, um, is embedded in the post. Everything you create is embedded with the consciousness you had at the time of that creation. So um, this principle is very important because if you're anxious, if you're frustrated, if you're feeling forceful, uh, um, any of those things, that's going into that post. And so that's going into your activism. So when I talk about metaphysical activism, I'm talking about arranging yourself properly in terms of consciousness so that your actions are infused with that consciousness. Uh, so this principle, I think, could be uh, amplified greatly. Uh, well, that one gets my vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's important, actually. It's a very important aspect right now. Um, is it, I think you had a, like a little caption underneath, like, is it our job to wake other people up or and you had it? That's right. That's right. Why waking others up is none of your business. Yes, that was it. And yes. I think that is, man, that says it all. It is all, it is our business, but it's none of our business. That's uh, right. Doing, so, doing the work and planting the seeds is our business, but the results, like you said, uh, you can't be attached to the results. You can't, you can't force anyone to wake up. Um, no, you can't. You just can't do that. It's it's impossible for one thing. That's not how it works. Yeah, exactly. So so don't if it's impossible, don't even worry about it. Don't don't put any effort or thought into the results. Just do what you know is do what you know to be to, to be right. And the people that are ready for it, they're gonna wake up. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be ready for that message, and it's gonna resonate with them. And and they're gonna be like, yeah like i've or, or maybe they've heard it before somewhere and then you you come along and like kind of confirm what they've heard and yes and that pushes them over the edge to to really like either start researching that more or or to really be like maybe that is true you know like and uh confirm maybe things they've been leaning towards but kind of iffy on you know 
um, who knows? Yeah, you, you don't know where anyone's at. That's, that's the whole point. And, um, you know. That's yeah, very well said, by the way, because that's, that's very true. Uh, you don't know where you don't know where anybody's at in life. Yeah. In- no, you cannot know. You cannot know. And you know what you're pointing to is is really familiar to everyone. Oddly enough, even though people are a little bit taken aback when I say waking others up is none of your business, um, the the things that are going on are actually very familiar to everyone. And it's really it's about synchronicity, right? So when you experience a powerful synchronicity, you feel it in your body. There are strong feelings associated with that, right? And that feeling of synchronicity that you're having in your body, this is a very private experience. And it's not being caused by people around you. This is like a a communion with spirit. It's a communion with your life path. So it's a very sacred, but it's a very sort of private internal experience. So the idea that you could control or manipulate that sacred experience within anyone is kind of crazy. Of course you can't. You can't create the feeling of synchronicity in another human body, right? So we, we all experience this. We all go through these moments of, whoa, that information just like activated my whole body. But that process is mysterious. It's entirely mysterious to us and it should be mysterious. And, um, I think if we really tap into what that's been like for each of us as individuals, then we can start to gain some understanding of why it's not our job to create something so sacred and so uh, mysterious in another person. Uh, Certainly we, we want that for other people and we know the information that we have is very charged and has that potential, but it's between that individual and spirit when they're going to have those moments of their awakening, you know, like that's, yeah that big stuff yeah right and i think we've all everybody in this community has had that moment has had those feelings obviously that's why we're here doing this yes and and it's one of the hardest things is to not get excited about it and go tell everybody you know because you want to tell everybody but then all of a sudden you put yourself into this box separate from the rest of the world which is happening anyway but it's just more obvious when you're out there shoving it in people's faces yeah yeah but and it also um, the way you're going about telling people and the way you're going about spreading information is very important too, because you don't, you don't want to throw everything at everyone all at once kind of thing. Like you don't want to mm-hmm. dump just like a massive amount of information on somebody because then they're going to get overwhelmed and they're going to just not even, they're going to just back off and be like, Whoa, this is too much. Yeah. Or, yes. or this is all just, this is just crazy. You know, uh, it, it'll make it very easy for them to, to do that when you do that and uh, and they're just not going to hear you so you want to do it in a way that most people are still going to be at least open to i think and isn't going to overwhelm people and will at least at least get people thinking on a certain train of thought like thinking about something you know whereas yes. we're not even thinking about it right i think that's yes huge. yes absolutely one of the things that comes up uh, often is the Space Force. When a lot of people I talk to, when I'm talking to them about it, they honestly think the idea is ridiculous. Like they, you know, oh, they, yeah. they, they think we have NASA. That's just, uh, it's ridiculous. Like they, they don't, they can't wrap their head around it. So I saw that as an avenue to, okay, how can I explain the importance of the Space Force? 
but then they have to understand the, the secret space program. So you can't even start there. So, I, I mean, yeah, the Space Force is obviously like, it's a way, I think, is a way for us to monitor all the secret space programs under one roof, essentially. Yes. Yes, yes, it's to bring the technology up. Yeah, it's it's a way to just keep everything under control. So if that space force gets established, then obviously uh, we can we can start making progress in this technology, the releasing of the technology and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, I recently shared um, a, a mini documentary on the space force, like very mainstream stuff, right? And. Uh, some of the things I pointed out were that, you know, as they're going through how we arrived at the creation of the Space Force, they keep mentioning attempts to get back into space, the United States making attempts or, you know, factions of the government, the military trying to, and, and it just not happening. It's just fizzling over and over and over again, you know, and uh, that to me was, you know, people not in the know trying to create space programs or access to space and being denied by the existing space programs. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think sort of fooled a lot of people was the way Trump presented it as like an off the cuff idea, which was actually really brilliant. So the way that he sort of delivered it in a speech, like it was a fleeting idea that he had was extremely tactical. Um, you know, it, it presented it in a specific way that, that forced, um, it to be managed by the deep state, uh, I think in a way that has ended up playing to his advantage. You know, like he's uh, very interesting in the sort of psychological warfare techniques that he uses. And in that same documentary, uh, they mention how it really can't have been an off the cuff thing that he was talking about because there has been so many efforts over the years since NASA you know, stopped going to the, the moon you know, on a regular basis and all these things, there's been so many efforts over the years that have been stopped. So Trump saying that was actually a nod to all these people in the government and the military who are not in the know, who have been trying to get access to space again. This was a nod to them. And I think one of the major things that he did that uh, is uh, indicative of the history of the secret space program was that he initially did not want the intelligence agencies to be a part of space force uh, uh, there, yeah. there was this you know and and when you yeah. look at the history of um intelligence agencies being infiltrated by the fourth reich you know um that came out of world war ii and the extent to which the cia and then eventually the nsa and the fbi became infiltrated it's very obvious why Trump was keeping them out of the development of the Space Force, because quite frankly, they're all already in space and they're looking to curtail any efforts at the three major things that I've personally identified in my research, which is revolutionary technology, access to space, and non-terrestrial relations. And those three things, they keep a very, very clo closed lid on. They're very careful about those things. So, um, I think personally, I'm always watching out for anything in those three areas in terms of full disclosure. I think those are the three pillars that have um, sort of sustained secret space program suppression. As long as they've suppressed those things, the revolutionary tech, the non-terrestrial relations and the access to space. So, you know, watching Space Force unfold and watching all this happen, uh, 
I mean, we can only know so much because a lot of it has to be covert in the way that they have to develop it, but pretty fascinating stuff. Now, yeah, I, I know exactly what people I would pick in this list, but I'm going to ask you. So if you were trying to explain the secret space programs to somebody and you wanted to give them somewhere to begin their research, what, where would you send them to? What whistleblowers, where, what site would you send them to? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, I'll say initially that I try not to develop preconceived formulas for um, moments of disclosure or moments of activism, because I have found that um, it takes me out of being present with whoever I'm communicating with. So my technique is to let my, my deep presence, so for me to become silent enough that whoever I'm dealing with shows me where they're open, right? So instead of developing like a formula for you know, where I'm gonna send people, what I do is try to feel out exactly who I'm with, whether that's a person or a group, and really um, respond to where they're at honor exactly where they're at in their path in terms of the secret space program for, for this particular example. So I recently had this experience because um, I've started to red pill some of like my old like high school friends and family um, who really were not aware of my involvement in any of this. And so one of these old friends approached me in a bar and he was seriously concerned for me. He was worried that I was having mental health issues based on what I was posting. Been there. I've been there. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is common. It's common, right? But so what my, my response to him ended up being, how can we properly discuss something if we both haven't looked at some of the same sources? So my invitation to him was, if you want to discuss this topic, then let's agree to look at some of the same things and then let's go over them together, right? But I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's super important, you know, like proper discussions. You're never going to convince anyone of a secret space program in the first go. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's not going to happen. And it shouldn't because this is a highly complex subject. This is something that requires intense research. And there's a lot of evidence. Um, but in terms of proof, uh, that's a difficult thing to come by because proof is very tricky in comparison to evidence, right? If you're looking at like something in a, a court trial, you know, they have to weave together all different types of evidence for it to become proof, which is then allowed to be treated as such. So, um, you know, I try to look at it that way, that um, if I can create common ground in terms of a, a resource, then it's a place to discuss. But if someone has not looked into any of this, then my first goal is to support them in taking an initial glimpse. So rather than trying to bring them into any kind of belief in what I'm talking about, it's more like a gentle guidance at looking into it. So like one really good thing lately is um, the Harvard study that came out, uh, basically saying that extraterrestrials, yeah. you know, benevolent extraterrestrials would make contact most likely uh, with individuals in a way that uh, seems magical. And they would do it, you know, all throughout the planet to individuals. And that, that actually makes more sense than mass contact. Yeah. Which is funny, right? I mean, this is 
yeah. Harvard yeah. saying what every whistleblower and contactee <laughs> has been saying since like the 1950s. Exactly. Well, I was just going to say that. That's exactly what they've been doing <laughs> for a long time. Right? Yeah. That's why like, we're here. Yeah. That's yeah. what we've been saying. Yeah. So, you know, things like that, I think, are a good leeway into it. And, um, uh, you know, I try to think of that. My, uh, my old community of friends and people, you know, they're, they're following my Instagram account. So that's where I treat my Instagram account slightly differently than I treat my Facebook account because it's a different audience. And I really am trying to honor where they're at because I know it's a, a little bit shocking for some people because previously all I posted on there was just mindfulness and meditation uh, you know, posts for my business and to encourage people to raise their consciousness. So uh, I would say that, that one of the key things if you're with people, if you're dealing with individuals, is quiet yourself so you can find where that person is at and let them show you what they need so that you can be of service to them properly rather than having a preconceived agenda. That's yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. I've actually, been, that's, that's actually a similar approach that I have. Uh, I haven't, I guess I haven't put nearly as much thought into the process as, as you've just explained, but I, I do the same thing. You feel out the person uh, and, and like, you can't just go with the same information to every person. It's just, you, you got to feel them out. And then maybe you, you want to tell them something about the space force or secret space program, but you end up talking about something else because you, you, you realize this information may be more beneficial to them. You just yes. start wherever, start off wherever, without, just however it plays out. Your higher self is communicating with their higher self. So if you can yeah. allow that conversation to inform what you're doing you can really be of service and this you know for those of us that have looked through the law of one and have studied the law of one i mean every single session in the law of one they give that warning they say we don't want anything we're offering to be a stumbling block and anything that you feel that we've offered that feels like stumbling block let it go only take what resonates right and their intention there, right? That intention to never offer anything that's going to be a stumbling block for people. This is the core principle that we're talking about here, right? You can offer information that slows down someone's spiritual growth. You can impede, you can slow down what's happening for them if you're forceful in trying to bring information into their space that is not resonant for where they're at. So, you know, it's, it's an art. You know, disclosure is a very unique and subtle art. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And that goes along with like everyone's at, everyone is at a different place, right? And you have to honor that and you have to meet them kind of where they're at so to speak so like you said so yeah so if um if someone's like let's say they're they're kind of they're a spiritual person but they're not into conspiracy stuff um at all let's say you want to kind of like meet them there right and then maybe like yeah yeah like give them things yes. that resonate more with that side um and then let them grow from that you don't want to you don't want to jump in with hey there's pizzagate going on and there's 
all this <laughs> trafficking and Aaron, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I gotta, I gotta you guys can you guys can bleep that out on the, on yeah. the podcast there later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of PizzaGate, let me add something really quick. So we have a <laughs> we have a city museum here in uh, St. Louis. I'm in from St. Louis, Missouri, city museum, and I'm working right next to it. And one of the things I noticed is that the entire thing is guarded, like with uh, reptilian type statues, dragons and a big lizard above the front door. And on the very, very top of the building is a giant praying mantis, a mantis being. And there's a, a pizza place right across the street. So hundreds of kids go in and out of this thing every single day. Right across the street, there's a pizza place, an adult pizza place. On the front side of the building, it, it, you know, it's just a, a, a glass of beer and a pizza cutter is the sign. And it's like they serve like 100 types of beer. It's a bar that serves pizza. But on the back side of the building, the sign has a bunch of kids eating pizza with a lizard man. <laughs> with, oh. a, with literally, I, with a, a, it's like a, a lizard man would be the best way to put it. <laughs> and they're all having, but why are there even kids right. on the sign? Because this place is a bar. You know, there's something going on surrounding this uh, city. Yeah, it's totally normal. Yeah, there's nothing. There's oh, nothing weird about that come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I've been I've been kind of doing my own research and what's going on behind the scenes there. Uh, yes, yes. Finding this stuff in your hometown. You know, I'm really just starting to dive into some of that myself because in Canada, it is hard to dig this stuff up. It is much more buried here. Really? Uh, the Canadian population is so, so out of touch with what the military is doing here. There's no, no sense of the Canadian military, uh, like what they're up to in the general population. I don't even mean in a classified sense. I mean, people are literally disconnected from even the public facing military stuff, let alone the highly classified things that are going on here. Now, the bit of research that I've done shows that there are definitely a lot of underground bases here in Canada. Because we have, uh, first of all, we have the Canadian Shield, right? So you have this huge portion of, of rock, uh, like running underneath big parts of Canada. And the way that the sort of the strata of Canada is built, it actually makes it a very stable area. Like it's very stable in terms of earthquakes and things like that. So you have that. And then Canada is so underpopulated in comparison to its size, but you also have huge, huge areas of unpopulated land where no one is anywhere near. So Canada is frighteningly ripe for, you know, deep underground military bases and those kinds of things. And a few testimonies, very few have come out about the things that have gone on here. Uh, one of which is an MK Ultra program that, that used trauma-based mind control on children. Uh, that was operating out of Calgary in Alberta. Um, and uh, basically what it seems like they did there was they uh, took that whole base underground. It initially had a ground level aspect to it. They took the whole thing underground and just built a suburb over it. Really? So now, who knows? Who knows what's going on there, right? Yeah. So I've been personally very interested in starting to uncover some more of the Canadian stuff uh, and sort of taking on that challenge of, trying to figure out what the heck is going on here and how it relates to, you know, everything that's coming out in the United States. And I think a lot of it is, you know, U S factions using Canadian 
uh, bases. I think there's a lot of that going on. And I know that that one MK Ultra testimony that I found, it was actually, uh, I believe, a CIA agent that was for some reason at the base in Calgary running this program. Um, so, you know, over the next year or so, I'm going to be trying to dig up more and more on the Canadian side of disclosure. Yes, do Thanks. it. That's Bring awesome. it on. Yeah. Got to happen. Got to happen. Uh, another interesting aspect just down the street from that city museum uh, two days ago. So we have known tunnel system underneath the city of St. Louis. It was used for whatever back, you know, during mafia and all that stuff. But yeah. um, um, so the, um, mysteriously a fire started underground in these tunnels and it's been burning. It, they thought they had it put out and then, then they come to work this morning and flames are shooting up out of the street again. Uh, I, I start, I just can't help to think if, if something, somebody intentionally started that fire to stop something that's going on underground. I mean, oh, yes. I'm, I'm starting to connect the dots here. I don't know Very what's likely. going on. Yeah. But I, can, I can only speculate, but it's, it's suspicious to me. I agree. Yeah, that's highly, I mean, we need to look at all those things very carefully. There's been, here in Canada, there's like, uh, in BC, people hear like weird booms and lots of strange noises coming from within the earth. There's also an area in BC, uh, in a small town, where uh, people's cars just won't start. So people are like, uh, they're afraid to bring their cars into that area because there's some sort of electromagnetic issue where uh, if people are in that area, their cars don't start and all sorts of other oddities are occurring. And it's near a place where there is, it's surmised that there is an underground base there. Uh, so we have to watch these things very carefully. And, and also in Canada, UFO sightings have been on the rise, drastically, really? drastically on the rise, yeah. And that's being reported in the mainstream here. Um, so it's interesting, you know, like here where I am in Toronto, uh, I'm right next to Lake Ontario and, uh, there has been consistent sightings of orange craft over Lake Ontario. And I've seen one myself, just an orange ball hovering. And from the little bit that I've read, there is a, allegedly a, a, an underground base to the extent that it's, a, it's an underground city that sits underneath Toronto that is basically west of Toronto between Toronto and Oakville. Oakville is actually the town that I grew up um, just about 30 minutes from here. And so um, from what I've read, these orange craft are basically coming and going from a base that's actually underneath the city where I live. Um, I don't know. It's going to take a lot of digging for me to find out what's going on in my own city. It's going to be interesting. Literally a lot of digging to get down to that underground. <laughs> yeah, I got to get a, a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I've seen weird things. Like I went to a park once here in Toronto and uh, – in the middle of this park, there's a huge mound of grass. And then where the mound of grass stops, there's just a metal door going into the earth. It's unlabeled, it's locked, and it's in the middle of a giant park. Like, <laughs> what the hell is that? It's art. It's an artistic feature. That's all. Yeah. All right, don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Canadians are so sleepy about this stuff. So, you know, I'm sure that it's harder to run a classified program in America because there's so much, people are working so much harder to expose this stuff there. Whereas mm -hmm. here, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a pretty sleepy population, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron, what about up in uh, Kansas, Wichita? What, what do you got going on up there? Anything? Uh, it's pretty sleepy out here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, 
I don't know. I've only been here for less than a year. I'm from St. Louis too. That's where I lived all before I had moved here um, and grew up. But uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm in the middle of Kansas right now. And uh, there's Air Force. There's an Air Force base here. So I'm sure there's stuff going on, you know, connected to that maybe. And um, I have heard a few unexplained booms, actually. Um, like, yeah, there were these really loud booms that, um, like, everyone heard. And I looked on Facebook, I looked on online, and no one, no one knew what it was. Uh, and I think eventually they came out and said, or one of them, they they eventually said it was uh, military, some kind of military testing. Or, you know, that's that's a classic mm. cover up. Yes, right? a generic and kind of invasive response. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, classic. And I was like, oh yeah, of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point. I think it would be relevant to ask, where isn't there an underground facility? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd, at this point, I'd rather see a map of where, where is there no underground tunnel or base? Because <laughs> that's yeah. probably, you know, it's got to be so extensive at this point. Um, it's oh, yeah. been so successfully developed. Uh, who knows? Uh, I think Emory Smith said he, he, he personally knows of like 300 just himself. Exactly. And he's like, I know there's more than that, but he's like, that's those are just the ones I personally know for sure exist. Yeah. Yes, three hundred. Yes, the one person that came forward in in Canada said that there's something like at least thirty here, which I think is probably. Oh, there's a there's lot. Probably more. more there's probably also, a lot more. The, the, but the, but who knows what the scale of them is, right? Like, yeah. uh, it yeah. could be less because they're so large. I mean, you know, it could be a lot of things. But yeah, when I was talking to a friend of mine recently, um, who uh basically he was speaking with i can't remember what this guy's this guy specialized in i think seismography so he was saying that um the seismographs that they had to install in certain areas in canada um they had to build them with a special technology that accounted for the vibrations of the underground tunnel systems so that they wouldn't read as earthquakes. Wow. Wow. So they yeah. had to tune these devices so that every time these underground systems went by, it wasn't going to trigger any kind of scientific study into like random small earthquakes. So he personally was, uh, was asked to help install technology, I guess, that, um, that made sure that these underground tunnel systems were invisible to the regular study of earthquakes in that area, which pretty cool there is a there's a very similar from my understanding there's a very similar technology um satellite uh near my house jefferson barracks uh there's a lot of a lot of uh conspiracy about underground facilities there but i've heard from somebody uh who knows someone who works there that the uh, satellite there that they say is detecting earthquakes is to detect seismic activity is is used for something else but they didn't know what the something else was and what you just said just triggered that so i wonder if that's exactly what mm. they're doing here yes absolutely they have to be managing that continent-wide right worldwide yeah. they have to be managing that or it'd be triggering all sorts of weird information in terms of seismography so yeah that was a huge puzzle piece for me i was like oh of course of course they're doing it. yeah they would have to you know they would have yeah. to 
Yeah, and at one point they said that there was like over 200 tractor trailers worth of medical and computer equipment that was brought into this facility underground. Uh, this person, uh, I guess, works at one of the security gates and they don't know what was coming in these tr tractor trailers, but something was going into the base, you know, and whatever is there. It's interesting that friend of mine who approached me with such deep concern, one of the things he had seen was me posting about deep underground military bases. And he just flat out said, he's like, those don't exist. He's like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. They don't exist. <laughs> and I, very plainly, I asked him how he knew that if he had never looked at any material on this subject. Yeah. And, and it made me realize that there is this weird thing where people form strong opinions mm -hmm. about things they've literally never, ever looked into. Never researched at all. Never researched. And, and they have like a final opinion on it, which is, you know, that's a fascinating thing. And it was good, the way this conversation unfolded with my friend, he really did arrive like, he was struggling because I was being very logical. I was being very logical because he's a scientist. This is someone who's worked in, uh, you know, like the GMO industry and all sorts of, he's been in like the depths of this stuff. He's in like labs doing genetic testing on things like crazy stuff. So he's very, very scientifically minded. And I said like, let's be practical let's be rational if you have never researched a subject can you have that strong of an opinion on it and he said what you're saying is making sense to me but i can't wrap my brain around it <laughs> <laughs> and you know we just sort of left it at that i was like cool man well then you know then that's where we're at and if you ever want to talk about it more then i'll direct you so that you can form an opinion on it properly yeah. well, that's, so, a, that's, so a, that's a telltale sign for programming whenever you you can literally like point out how, how what they're saying is completely illogical and it doesn't make any sense but yes they, but they have such a strong opinion such a strong emotion tied to that belief yes but it's completely illogical and doesn't make any sense and you can just show them like this is how what you're saying doesn't make any sense and they'll still be like it okay, won't register yeah maybe you're right but i still believe it because there's the, the programming works so well, and it's so it's so ties to people's emotions, which yes. is like their identity it gets attached to their identity. So then they have to defend their identity. And, uh, that's why people they get these strong emotional attachments to to certain things, or or if you try to say something's true or not true, then they lash out immediately, right? Without without being like. Oh, okay, I disagree with that. Here's what they, no, it's just like they get angry and they lash out. It's fight they, or flight. It's fight yeah, or flight. Fight or flight, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On a sub strong. on a subconscious level though. They don't I don't yeah. even think and they don't even know they're doing that. Yeah. They don't even realize. Yes, never tell them they're programmed or in fight or flight. No, no, no. <laughs> never <laughs> yeah. say that. It's a bad strategy. <laughs> don't do that. Bad yeah, idea. That'll backfire. That will, that will you not. know, I try. I try, and I have been trying harder lately to remember how, to remember the advantages that I have in terms of this information. So I came into extraterrestrial experiences, experiences of higher consciousness, like seeing craft, like uh, th those arrived in my life very early. And they gave my psyche the means to begin to process this information. And I forget that someone who has lived an entirely sort of normal life they don't have those advantages you know so i try to remember that uh 
when I'm communicating with someone that, you know, I, I am an alien. I am from, you know, and I mean that. I am actually not from here. Yeah, I, I don't uh, I am either. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm 100% sure that I'm not no, from I don't here. think any of us are. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, that's a, huge, that's a huge advantage, right? Psychologically, that's a huge advantage because it creates an openness in us that, that um, allows this information to arrive with more ease. And so it's funny, today, actually, I went, I did a session um, for my birthday. Uh, my friends and family bought me a session with a friend of mine who channels your guides to reveal to you basically what your core karmic pattern has been on earth throughout all your lifetimes that we all have this like one core pattern that has been sort of building lifetime after lifetime and and the karma of that has become deeper and deeper and and now that we're within the great awakening people are facing their core karmic pattern so right before i i uh, hopped on here to meet you guys i was in this session and uh and it, it really it confirmed all of this for me uh it confirmed Basically that, uh, you know, I came here from a different plane of existence, uh, a, a more non-physical one. Um, I was told that it's more of vibratory existence uh, than it is like a, a physical one and that it's more of like a collective. So like if we're looking at like the law of one, it would be something you know, like that group. It could be that group. It could be yeah. very like that. When I read that material, I do feel very much at home. So it's possible it's that group. But I don't know. Or so, entity, maybe. Yeah, it's like, um, so I was given this information and that, that part, you know, was sort of old hat for me. I've known for quite a while because I've had extraterrestrial memories come back to me very clearly. So I've known some of that stuff for a while. But the core pattern for me that I'm finding out was that my first lifetime here on Earth was so traumatic that I didn't feel it was tactically sound to allow my soul full participation in my human self and body and so it's been sort of like once removed lifetime after lifetime and uh mm. so that's like what i'm coming up against you know healing in this lifetime is is really diving into that core pattern and the essence of it is allowing the earth to feel like home and I've been, from what I now understand, I'm very deeply, I'm deeply resonant with the information that was given to me today is that uh, I was very resistant and resentful to the extent that I really did not want to allow the feeling of home in my body while I was incarnate on earth. Um, and so now part of the work that I'm doing is really allowing earth to feel like home so that I can be more of service to because it's a great object to the service that I want to offer humanity um, to sort of ostracize myself constantly. It's really, you know, I'm here to be here. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's like, uh, you know, we have people say home is where the heart is. Well, I think it's more like, like home is where the soul is. And if your soul isn't fully here, then you're not, not going to feel at home. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Totally. I agree. That's awesome. Um, so uh, just something i wanted to go back wanted to say earlier which that was an amazing experience by the way uh, uh you, and you did that just right before the podcast 
You know, I actually, I, I set it up that way. I really, I wanted to have that session before this podcast because I wanted to be able to offer any aspects of it that were of service to the community. I wanted to share it. It was, you know, a lot of it was like very personal and raw and very intense. And there's like a whole ton of it that, that I'm gonna have to work through privately. But some of those bigger concepts, I think are of service to everyone. Cause I think there are a lot of people in this community uh, who are part of this sort of minority, literally my guides in this session said, you're part of a minority group that is here right now. And, uh, and that's important to remember. You're part of a minority group that has arrived here to do this work. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think it's important that we all fully arrive. Let this be your home. Let it be your home. You know, don't get caught up in ideas that you're a star seed and your home is elsewhere. Like your home has to be here so that you can be of service to this place. If you're at all removed, then you're not fully of service. You know, if you're ready to leave, if you're one foot out the door, uh, you can't honor your contract here. That is, um, I, I just recently went, was in Hawaii for the Cosmic Waves uh, conference. And that was one of, uh, essentially, one of the messages Corey Good had for the group is what you just said. You know, we have to, we have to start recognizing where we fit here on this planet. Yes. You know? And, and how it was just, it was amazing. Just some of the information he went into, I took notes and, uh, but yeah, he, he basically dove into that. And he also went into a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff that we're to be expecting with the partial disclosures coming up. And, uh, one of those was, the underground cities and stuff we're going to start hearing about, especially under the Grand Canyon. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he, he said that was one of them in particular. He said there's a certain, uh, uh, an army whistleblower they're kind of grooming right now to be the, I guess, the face of this, uh, this disclosure on the underground cities beneath the Grand Canyon. And the history, basically, it's going to prove all the Hopi and Zuni legends you know, we all heard about the Egyptian artifacts that were taken by the Smithsonian and all that stuff. Um, so apparently, they're going to shed some light on that. Which, Interesting. Which what I was going to, which was I was bringing up, wanted to bring up earlier when we were talking about the underground cities. Yes. Um, yeah, he said that, and then he said between Antarctica and Australia, there is a tremendous amount of undersea, un beneath the seafloor bases. Yes. Uh, that he has personally seen some of them and some of them he's seen through some type of like sonar imaging technology that's like so far advanced than anything we have. He said it, it basically prints you out a picture that is, has a better resolution than a photograph. Uh, it's, it's insane. He said, you think you're looking at a real photograph, but it's a sonar image. Wow. Some, uh, that's wow. another, one of the other disclosures he said, uh, but I, and you know the runes on the moon and Mars, all that, that stuff. That's so that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so well, he also said so the so the deep state's about to they're going to use a lot of the Antarctica disclosure as a distraction from from the crimes from their crimes that are going to be coming out and and the uh, the sealed indictments and everything else, yep. right? Correct. Um, which you know i think we know it's going to backfire it's not going to work uh but what do you think that's going to look like once that starts happening um where we're simultaneously getting these massive disclosure these massive disclosures 
about stuff that's in Antarctica and everything else. Uh, but then they're also revealing like, hey, here's all these criminals that have been running things and and doing all this trafficking and, uh, you know. Yeah, I think else. one of the ways it really, really could backfire on them is the Antarctic Treaty System, right? So if they're looking at using disclosures of, you know, secret bases in Antarctica, let's say, or secret, any secret projects in Antarctica, period, that is a breach of an international agreement, right? That there be uh, a non-military presence that, uh, that it's scientific studies only and that all the science has to be transparent and available to all other countries, right? So the Antarctic Treaty System is very important here. So uh, anything that they plan on disclosing that's been secretly happening in Antarctica is breaking a massive uh, international agreement that has been symbolic on Earth, you know, since it was created uh, as something more advanced, as humanity doing something finally more peaceful, everyone working together in Antarctica. There's this belief that people are putting aside their differences and working together in Antarctica. So it's going to blow up that sentiment in the human population, right? People are going to be pissed that they've been lying about Antarctica this whole time. And you can see some of this tension is building right now. I shared an article today about, you know, the tension with China trying to get their foot in the door in Antarctica and about how China recently made a complaint about a U.S. base uh, encroaching on their territory and the response is that base doesn't exist. <laughs> so this is happening already. You're already getting tensions. You're getting China saying the U.S. is doing things in Antarctica that they're not admitting to. So you already have, I guess, factions fighting with each other. And to me, that article that, that, that I posted today, it, it seems to be really about that, that there's, uh, they're, they're threatening to bring more public awareness to secrecy in Antarctica. So if you have these crimes against humanity going on, and then the distraction is supposed to be, we've broken the Antarctic treaty system. Yeah. I mean, how's that gonna work? Like, that's gonna be a huge blow to so many people as it is. So I, personally, it'll be amazing, but I don't think it's tactically sound. I think it's gonna fail. Well. Well, my understanding what what Corey said was they're gonna they're gonna it's not that they're gonna reveal maybe the bases and the and all that stuff, but they're gonna be like, oh hey, we found these uh, crashed alien ships, uh, you know, the ones that are nicknamed Nina, Penta, Santa Maria. Yep. Uh, oh look what we found in Antarctica, and look at all this. Uh, uh, yeah, and like oh they were uh, ancient extraterrestrial ships that crashed here, and all the technology that's on them and oh look how amazing it is and oh this changes history blah blah, blah. oh but they're long dead you know and like <laughs> yes i know i'm not going to give information about that at the same time to kind of like still shut down like the et topic and like oh i think yeah. yeah i mean it's possible it's possible they might they might pull that off but i think presenting that as a new discovery uh i think is going to be pretty tricky with the with the way the Antarctic treaty system supposedly works. Uh, yeah, because then it's like... How... There would have had to have been transparency with every other country. Yeah. If that was a, if they're going to present it, this is a, a valid project we've been working on, and, oh, we just discovered these ships. Like, all the other countries... Like, I just don't see how they're going to do that, because all these other countries that are working in Antarctica are supposed to have access to every other project that is occurring there. 
yeah. as part of the agreement, he, right? So, so how, yeah, so how are they going to, how are they going to do it off anyway? He explained, he explained, he made sure to let us know that he doesn't think this narrative is going to play out because too many factors are at play now. Yeah. Um, but he said part of it was, if it were to play out, is that, you know, they were going to show us these Antarctic ruins and the cabal was going to connect their bloodline to these ruins to these et ruins yeah to make them to basically like, help them remain in control oh like, we have oh, the divine right to rule and yeah yeah, yeah so the Rothschilds you know, and all that stuff yes, they, they're yes. trying to connect themselves to this ancient et bloodline so that we think yeah. oh my god they have et dna we should listen to them oh you know? totally yeah, we need to you know what we should talk about this actually really quickly because I've come up against this a couple times recently. So, okay, when we talk about Luciferianism, right? It's interesting. This has triggered a couple people recently in the community talking about Luciferianism because there's this idea that um, in Christian theology, Lucifer, uh, you know, is just a light bearer. He's not a bad guy, right? There's this idea that, you know, the, the cabal just warped the idea of a positive being, but, but they don't understand that. Um, it's not their idea of a higher being. To them, Lucifer is an extraterrestrial, a real physical being that arrived here that was more advanced than humanity. And they, they believe that this extraterrestrial entity, like you said, is part of their original bloodline. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's really important to point out because um, there's more like new agey and there's like aspects of luciferianism that came like in like the 1900s and all that that were just like looking at lucifer as like just a christian sort of angelic being and then people spawned like positive versions of luciferianism from that and there's this notion going around the community that the cabal just you know they warped something good but i think it's it's more nuanced than that and i think it's important to understand that for them uh they didn't take a biblical thing and warp it to them there's a literal extraterrestrial being that they've been tracking so they weren't pulling something from biblical theology um they they're actually going through their secret history and their records of a real being that they feel connected to so it's important that we be able to talk about luciferianism in terms of an ancient like illuminati belief system uh that for them is based in uh like a record of history that we don't have mm -hmm. so uh, i think that's really important because a lot of people think that luciferianism just started in like the late 1800s and that it was like yeah. some freemasons that just talked about it in a warped way but but it's really not that that it's it was being talked about in the 1700s by the illuminati and that's because of this belief of an extraterrestrial lineage so I wanted to clear that up because I think there's a lot of confusion about it. No, it goes. This goes all the way back to to Babylon and to and to ancient Egypt and before that even. Before that even, but that's like you you know the oldest of yeah. our historical records that we have. It's like it goes all the way back there, but it's even before that. It's basically just been this secret, secret cult. Secrecy, yeah, man. Right. I know the secrecy is. The secrecy is, I think, a hard thing for people to reconcile, the, the depth of the secrecy, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at Luciferianism and when we look at the sort of like, sort of um, Christian offshoots that came from it later on, uh, there, you know, that was, uh, it was initially opposed and sort of ridiculed by the Illuminati who had their core Luciferian belief system. But eventually they backed off from that because it was the perfect psyop. 
for positive Luciferian branches to start spawning off of Christianity, it created this whole uh, veneer of confusion so that now when someone looks up Luciferianism, uh, they can find tons of information of well-meaning Luciferians who are good people, who have like a positive spiritual understanding. Um, and, and that that was allowed to flourish so that the actual core Luciferianism that was there from the beginning could maintain its secrecy. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, an important thing to talk about to me because I, I think we should be able to talk about it as Luciferianism. But we do need to clarify that we're not targeting people who are coming from this more sort of uh, Christian New Age branch of Luciferianism, that it is a, a deeper, darker, older, and more original version of that belief system that we're focusing on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the information I've looked into personally on this, you know, it's hard to put a date on it, but they're saying in, in, it's possible that it goes back as far as 300,000 years, you know, to the oh, time yeah. the, the pre-Adamites, what Corey yeah. talks about. Um, that's essentially when they crashed here is kind of when it started is when this came about. I don't know if it's yeah. uh, it started taking over. I don't know how it played out. Obviously, yeah, they, no were in, they were in Atlantis and Lemuria and all the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, that's, you gotta, to me, I look at that as a karmic cycle, right? The, the karmic impact of that arrival. I mean, that's like, it's, it's hard to even fathom what the karma of earth receiving these, you know, this disturbed race, this deeply disturbed race. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a big, big thing for us to heal on yeah. this planet, right? It's deep, it's old, it's painful, it's strange, dark. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work to heal this. So, uh, you know, we have our work cut out for us. us and it's this, already us, begun. Uh, this, it's happening for sure. Every yeah. time you heal anything in yourself, you are healing the collective. Like oh, that is super, absolutely. super important. That's so important. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and every time you project that positivity and that you know whatever onto someone else just by being in their presence you know it, it's a constant cycle and you can you can always be healing if you if you really uh if you really learn how to live in that mindset yes absolutely absolutely i agree and and even you know it has to be very gentle sometimes i think you know i think in our community the idea of healing can sometimes impose itself upon people uh, because it can feel like oh, I got to do the healing work, you know. And uh, there, sometimes we need to step back a bit and recognize that um, the decision to stop the healing work is actually what can make space for other kinds of healing. Uh, I think that's you know that's something that I've realized that we can get really caught up in like constant yoga and juicing and meditating and you know whatever you're doing. And sometimes that itself can be the obstacle to you just allowing something to occur that needed you to stop controlling the circumstance. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Aaron, you were talking about that the other night uh, when we were talking something about when you want something so badly, it kind of has a a, the opposite effect on it. On, yeah. On it. yeah, yeah. So, you know, people think there's this mindset of like, oh, I have to work, work really hard to like get, 
either get what I want or, um, or to, or to heal or to do, you know, people think they constantly have to be stressing and working to, uh, to, to do, to achieve you know, their goal, to achieve their goals or, or to do like good work and like help people or whatever. And it's like, no, like, um, and if you look at it, like with, you know, how manifesting works and the law of attraction, uh, you don't, you don't manifest the reality by wanting that reality by, by having this strong, like, Oh, I really, really want that. Cause when you, when you want something, that's a lack consciousness. You're saying, I don't have the, that thing. Right. So you're actually manifesting more of not having something. Uh, if you, yes, I, I don't know. Yeah. I say, I don't know. You know, I know not everyone agrees with. No, the principle you're talking about is super important. Super but it's, important. it's, it's about becoming the thing. It's about moving into that space, uh, aligning. I, I really like that way of putting it. It's about aligning with, whatever you're trying to manifest right so so really what we want to be doing is just getting into alignment raising our consciousness expanding our consciousness and moving into that space and then and then it'll just naturally you know allow ourselves to naturally flow in that direction and you're not stressing you're not working yourself to death you're not doing all of those things where it's not fun you know if it's not fun i think that's a that's a red flag that something's not right you know you're you're not in the right in the right space um yes so when when you're having fun when you're when you're enjoying what you're doing i think that's and and things are flowing naturally uh, that's, that's when things will fall into place. Yeah, yeah. That's the right I talk about this a lot. Yeah, I talk about this a lot in my sessions with clients, like teaching meditation and mindfulness. And the, the mantra that I always end up back at with people is less effort, more allowing. That exactly. we are all just, we're overburdened with the amount of effort in our bodies. You know, our bodies are stuck in this state of trying, trying, trying. And the state of allowing is very, very different. And I look at meditation as an allowing. Meditation is not something you try to do. Meditation is something you allow. And, and we want that consciousness to infuse, you know, this comes back to, to what we were talking about with metaphysical activism. You want that consciousness to infuse your work in this field, in any field. How can you be in a state of allowing while you're working? You know, exactly. it's a tricky thing and it takes practice, but, but to be in a state of allowing while you're in the act of working uh, it's very balanced. It's very, very balanced. And it, it, um, it supports the work I think more than people realize. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I love the way you guys both just painted that picture because <laughs> a lot of people need to hear that, you know, me, uh, you know, sometimes you think you, you go along for so long and you think you got figured out and then, somebody says one little thing it's just like it's like that moment like oh shit i never really thought of it or looked at like, it that way yeah you're like oh yeah, yeah it makes sense and, and it you know and that's part of the reason we're doing this Hope, hoping that other people have those same experiences listening to this information whether they resonate with it or not i just think it's very cool uh it's, it's a cool time right now yeah it's amazing Definitely. it's so amazing even though part of me is like filled with all sorts of weird anger and resentment from all my lifetimes here you know like yeah. that's definitely a reality of it for me 
having arrived on a planet where they just torture children. I mean, that's been a difficult thing to yeah. come to terms with, among other things. So, you know, there's some times when I'm like, yo, F this place, for sure. But then at the same time, it's like, this is the most incredible place to be right now, hands down. And that's why I'm here. So, you know, reconciling those two polarities is, uh, you know, that's a big, big challenge. And I think coming across some of the harder information in this field, um, for me, it's gotten more and more activating. So when I first started to look into some of the more darker things, you know, like the, the ritual abuse and things like that, uh, my response was much, much more deeply rooted in like anger and, and uh, you know, fury, really. But now for me, it's coming to this place where I feel activated. The feeling that I'm getting, the more I come into that information is you cannot stop us. You will not stop us. There's no way you can stop us. What you have done has empowered us to change this planet. A karma that you have built, uh, deep state, cabal, it's too late for you now. You've built up a situation where we now have the advantage because the momentum is moving in our direction. So, you know, that's a way that we can move into some of the darker information, right? Is to let it activate you, to let it really, really empower you to make this change. Um, and, uh, you know, I encourage people to try and find that response in themselves. And when they can't, when it's too much, back off the information. Definitely don't force yourself to go down a rabbit hole that's going to harm you. Well, and it, this goes back to what Aaron said earlier. He asked you, um, you know, how do you think it's going to play out when they're revealing Antarctica and then also all these indictments and all this, uh, this horrific stuff is coming to the surface? Well, it's, it's going to be easy because people run from that information. They don't want to hear about the sex trafficking and the, you know, the satanic ritual abuse and the, the pity pedophiles and all that stuff so they're gonna they're gonna go towards the oh my god this ancient discovery yeah. um, but what you just said is what people need to think about you have to look at that information and let it activate you i like that i like that a lot because even it's an allowing right yeah even i find myself still shying away from a lot of it i've seen i looked into a lot of it and i think you know i think to myself i've seen enough i don't need to watch this video of this person being tortured or whatever you know because it all comes up on our feed all the time uh people yeah. hearing it. uh but maybe you know maybe i should maybe i should take a take a minute and you know dive into it again just to let that activate me i like allow like you said allowing yes absolutely absolutely man we can we can all be doing that and i think the power of this community uh you know is we, we have no one has even come close to to I think really realizing how powerful we are as a community I mean it's like I think about it all the time and it's like we're just like tip of the iceberg in terms of how activated this community this movement can be uh you know we have so much untapped power that is ready to come forward and I think we all we all could be doing more and more to allow that power to arrive right this is super important um I really I can't emphasize that enough. It's so, so important that you let your power arrive and, and let the sense of this community's power arrive because that's going to be a big um, defense against the attacks and the division, right? 
you yeah. know, that star seeds and ufology, there's, you know, we're targeted, we're, we're targeted. And, uh, you know, the more people let those moments of intense activation occur, the more we sort of build up our collective immune system to all that they're trying to do to reduce our power. And it very much is like an immune response, right? Like when you look at the way the immune system works and how it gets triggered and goes into action, that's one of the ways that we can look at um, some of the darker information, that you can let it activate this sort of, this immune response that like this part of you that steps forward that says, no, I have to stop this, like this, this needs to be changed. So, you know, I sort of see our community as, as activating that, that there's like within the collective consciousness, there needs to be this immune response that has been suppressed for, for you know, thousands of years. And we need to activate that immune response to start to clear out this illness. Uh, and that activation to me, it comes from information and experiences that are deeply impactful. Yeah, so uh, that's great advice, you know, that's great. Yeah, Man, I don't even know what to say after that. We just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, I love, I love that though. Immune response. That's yeah, it's, yeah. It's a perfect analogy. You know, right? It's interesting to think of. Like, I always go down these macrocosmic, microcosmic rabbit holes. But like, if you think of that, if you think of how common um, autoimmune diseases are right now, right? Like, in individuals, like autoimmune diseases are like rampant on Earth right now. And if you scale that up on a collective uh, level, you think that like the idea that our collective immune system is attacking itself and that we need to correct it so that it's working for us, right? This is the same principle that's happening on both levels. Yeah. Of course we have autoimmune problems throughout humanity. Uh, that's what we're doing on that higher level, you know? Yeah. That's what we're all doing together. So how can we flip that? Yeah, that's, that's a great way of that's looking the, at it as well. As above, so below, you know? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever's Always. happening on a lower level is happening on a higher level. Whatever's happening on the inside is reflected on the outside. Um, yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah, I think that's important for people. I don't. I'm really. I know. I'm really tempted to do my dimensions of disclosure talk in that realm as well. I have a. I have a list. Oh of yeah. <laughs> mm, collective consciousness stuff is very tempting. Like I think a lot about QAnon collective consciousness. Oh, and yeah. what the arrival of Q and the functionality of Q is like it, you know, we could bring Q back to that, that Q is actually that collective immune system waking up, that right action is being activated, that that sort of masculine principle of, of the correct way of using power and force is being activated. So you could even argue that QAnon is an example of that collective immune system coming out of this autoimmune disease state and beginning to properly attack the illness, to directly attack the illness as it should have been all along, right? This, mm -hmm. this function, I think, you know, is very, very important. Uh, and I think that high level thinking about Q is very important because the, the, the political charge of Q uh, is, is a bit of a trap. And I think if we could spend more time contemplating the collective consciousness implications of Q and what that means for our journey together, um, to me, it makes it a clearer puzzle piece and um, a much easier thing to discuss and analyze when we take that vantage point, at least from time to time. Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, Q, uh, one of the things Corey mentioned while we were in Hawaii is one of the first things he mentioned when he got, when he, uh, got up to present 
was that he he wanted to validate Q. He wanted to let everybody know Q is real. He personally knows a lot of the people involved. He's known them for years before Q was ever before Q was the official title. And he wanted people to know that Trump is directly involved. I know we understand that, but mm. uh, I, I thought it was interesting. He said, if you don't, if you haven't figured it out now, you know, but yeah, now. there's actually a lot of people, even in our, our own community that are anti Q that are very, they, they think Q is 100% just a psyop, just a yeah. thing. He made a point to, to clarify that, that it, it is not a psyop. Yeah. And I, I totally, I yeah. totally understand that mindset and how you, mm -hmm. From a surface level, just looking at Q, you can you could come to that conclusion, you know, and, and it could look that way. But when you actually, and this goes back to what we were talking about before, like when you you need to do your research on something before you form a strong opinion about it, right? Like that's that's yes. that's the yes. crucial first step you need to take before you form a strong opinion about anything. And I know, and with really Q, a lot of people just with do Q. not do that, and they just form the opinion first, and then try to then try to use whatever they can to back up that already formed opinion. Or people are forming their opinions on what others are saying about Q and not yeah, just, yeah. Just, just directly study Q. Don't listen to exactly. anybody. Just study the drops. Exactly. You know? And I, and I totally think like if any, if anyone will do that, will legit study Q and do your research on it, you will come to the conclusion that it is, it is the Alliance and it is, what it claims to be and it's, yes. and it's real and, and all fairness though q is not easy to research no. i mean no, it's, no. It, it, and, and that's another thing Corey said he goes a lot of that is not meant for anybody in the public he goes a lot of that's just you know military lingo or code for this for certain program or some code word they came up with that might 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 not mean anything to anyone except for one specific person as a green light to go on this on this operation or whatever, uh, so a lot of that stuff you you might be diving into and it might have no underlying meaning to the whole big picture. So it's really difficult. It's really difficult to do, and it it, yeah. it takes a certain mind. It takes a certain. You have to have a certain way of thinking to really understand and research it. it so I like like you said, it's so, it's very understandable why people can't come to that conclusion even if they do look into it yes absolutely um you know i gotta say unfortunately the place that i'm at is closing so i'm gonna have to hop <laughs> off oh no oh, problem yeah. we're, we're kind of going over the time anyway yeah we're there anyway oh great yeah. i wasn't i wasn't sure what time we started so perfect. Yeah. no it's perfect yeah, um an hour and a half actually one other thing i will add before you get off is i'm just because I'm excited about it, is they played us a rip reel, a two minute trailer of a, a Hollywood motion picture called 20 and Back of Corey Good's life story. It's gonna be in theaters all over the world. Sick, uh, yes, I was hearing, they've been working on that for a while. Yeah, and uh, dude, the, I mean, the, the trailer that they played us, I mean, if it didn't give you goosebumps, some people started crying. I mean, it was like powerful. And it was wow. just a rip reel. Uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy, he's gonna help him. Uh, Yes. You know, yes. He's you know, there's people in the alliance that are paving the way for this type of film to make it out there, yes. and uh, it's going to be huge. So it's going to be a Hollywood film. It's not going to be above majestic. You know, it's going to be above above majestic. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
anyway, I guess we'll end it on that. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving us your time. It was, it was amazing. Uh, Guys, it was a real pleasure. And, you know, anytime, anytime I'll come back anytime. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, we'll have you back, definitely. Uh, Any last things you want to leave us with before you get kicked out of that place? (laughs) Love yourselves, full disclosure now. All right. Yes. We'll end it on that. Have a good night. Later, brother. Good night, everyone. Take care. Later.